Oh, yeah, we could do the whole thing as lyrics. It's like, the Avant podcast. <laughs> I don't know how that song goes, though. Like, I, that's the only could, time I've ever could, listened to it. We could listen to it a couple times and then um, no. rehearse. <laughs> uh-uh. Oh, that's pretty good. It was pretty good. I mean. <laughs> uh, get this on. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Uh, well, anyway, was... you said it. That was I Don't Hate This. Yes. Then it is the Avantos Guard podcast. And that was. And I mean a little off. <laughs> and that was Primal Scream with uh, Some Velvet Morning off their third LP, Evil Heat. You know, I got to be honest. When you said you wanted to play Primal Scream, I thought it was going to be a lot less pleasant to listen to. Uh. Yeah, they're like, uh, they're just some good luck Charlies. What? Wait, the... isn't that a guy that's a, what is that a president? <laughs> good luck, Jonathan. Good luck, Jonathan. Good time, Charlies. Is that a thing? There's a good, yeah. Good time, Charlie. And if you're a girl, it's a, you're a good time, Charlene. I'm right behind you now, Charlene. <laughs> Do you remember that song? No, who's that by? Stephen Colbert. Stephen and the Colbert. Oh, that's not familiar. What? That well, I know who Stephen Colbert is. That was is. a deep cut, actually. Yeah. He made a He's like obsessed with this girl named Charlene, and like he made the song that was like supposed to be like um, "Every Breath You Take," but it's called yeah. "I'm Right Behind You Now, Charlene." <laughs> You'll never be alone again. It sounds no. like a Neil Diamond song, actually. I'm right behind you, Charlene. Um, so what's the point of this podcast? Um, we usually talk about art, but oh. then my co-host. That me? <laughs> that awful crack. This set, I, I swear to God, you like cracked three knuckles. You're like. You're like <laughs> I don't think it was me. I think it was our producer. Oh. oh. Get off mic. <laughs> Get your knuckles off mic right now. You literally like had this flourish of your hand and pointed at yourself. And right when you did it, it was like, (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) Did you time that? (laughs) (laughs) He just gave us the eyebrows. You don't know what he said because he's off mic now forever. He didn't say, he didn't say anything with his mouth and he said everything with his eyes. (laughs) As he's Um, wont to do. So, so, so make the case. For this episode, and then before we start talking, uh, we'll do some miscellany. Okay. So today, we are going to talk about the thing I can't stop talking about, which is... Jewish summer camp? No. <laughs> the other thing. The KonMari method. Is this the... Uh, um, wait, no. The one the Vulcan sex right. <laughs> oh... Wait, our producer's Pon gonna... far. Pon far. <laughs> my, my dad calls that the seven-year itch. Um... <laughs> so he gets divorced from your mother and marries another Vulcan every no, year? No, because they only years? can have sex every seven years. Oh, oh yeah, so maybe... Haven't you even seen that episode? No, I have, but, I, right. but the seven-year itch is not... I know, that's, that's the freak... joke. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway. 
This is not a Star Wars, Star Trek episode. Oh no, God. wait, no. So you know what is because you're talking about the Mon Calamari, the uh, the like the Conmari method Akbar. of tidying. Oh, for everyone who hasn't heard but about wait, which it, which alien is the Conmari that invented this method of cleaning? Um, I don't know. I don't know enough about Star Trek to name any aliens. <laughs> you could have said the Japanese. <laughs> yes, it amazing a tiny japanese woman who's brilliant she's like a force of nature if you watch her her videos because she looks like she's like really short and wears these cute skirts and stuff but like i can just imagine her being in your house helping you tidy and she would be like i feel like you're being naively stereotypical like specific but but it's really a stereotype. She like it sounds like well, a stereotype. Just really but really petite watched... Asian woman, and she wears cute little dresses. But, I know, but it, that's like, like oh, that's what but... <laughs> if you watch the videos, how it is. So I know, I know, but it's funny because it's like you're you're describing an individual that represents a stereotype. I guess so, but she's one of a kind. So anyway, this is okay. this is based on this book. I can never remember the title because it has a subtitle. Oh man. If this were the 50s, I could read this title in a really funny voice, but this is the modern era, so I will just... This is all lowercase. You can, you can read in a funny voice. I, I'll allow it. No. <laughs> so... Wait, I just want to know what your funny 50s is, voice sounds uh, like. No, I, uh, we've moved on, because I'm trying to read this title. It's a paragraph. Uh, and then I noticed that it's all in lowercase except for the letter J in Japanese. Even her own name is not capitalized. Mm, fascinating. What is her name? Marie Kondo. Yes. Like uh, Marie Kondo. But people Callender. call her, but she says, call me Konmari. Oh, she is. Oh, yeah. So, but do you know how if you just um, play with her name a little, that's how you get it. Right. <laughs> Marie Kondo. But I think it's more like Marie Kondo. Kondo? Like uh-huh. the way people pronounce it, they sound. It sounds like it's Marie Callender's sister. <laughs> it's like, I'll I'll cook for you, my sister. Mar- wait, no, wait. Well, I don't know people if have Marie the same first can name. be like a very. I don't know. Well, that's probably. I don't her, know if it's an Americanized version of her name, or it's probably an it Americanized version of her name, like Peanut or Drill or United Kingdom. <laughs> Stop talking about stuff from before the podcast on the podcast. We've had this discussion. That worked without that, but no, now everyone not. knows. No, it does. You said that's probably her American name, and then I just threw out some funny all names. Right. We're cutting all of this. Yeah. So when you can just when we when you cut this, you can just do the like <laughs> and then like the technical difficulties noise. Yeah. Like beep beep Yeah. Uh we don't usually cut on here it's one take and uh i've been listening to podcasts and i it's it can be annoying when you hear like cuts like it's seamless but you hear the background noise change or like the pitch change i notice that in movies sometimes and it always weirds me out and there's like yeah it goes like (gasps) and like everything changes a little bit yeah so if you're listening and you're not because this is also going to be cut out (laughs) Um, we don't cut. <laughs> <laughs> okay, read the title. <laughs> oh boy. Um The Life Changing Magic of Tidying Up. A the Japanese art of decluttering and organizing by Mary Kondo. 
There number you one it. New York Times bestseller. Indeed. Two million copies sold. In. At the time of buying this, now it's probably like lots more. So uh, I think that this was making the Facebook US rounds. US $16.99, $19 in Canada. Okay. <laughs> it's on sale at Target. <laughs> Not a sponsor. The ISBN is 978-1-6077-4-730. I hope you all are plugging that into Goodreads right now. So, and also don't read the Goodreads review for this book because they're all from a bunch of crazy people, (laughs) like most reviews. No. Um, This book, I guess people have been posting about it a lot online which I guess we're doing right now, but I didn't really know anything about it. For it, a moment, I thought this book didn't have a library of Congress. Okay. But <laughs> it's actually <laughs> filed in the back. Whoa, do you want to know what the title <laughs> is in Japanese? Yes, please. Jinsai Gai Tokimeko Kadazuke no Maho. Apologies to all our Japanese listeners. Uh, Is there a translation? I think that's the translation of the title that I read to you earlier. No, but it has different titles. It's been translated into a lot of languages. Okay. Part of what's funny about this book, though, is that it really only, I feel like, applies to... It's more popular than the Bible. I don't think that's true. Um, But it's very first world (laughs) problems-y. Um, and these are real problems that actually yeah, no, that's do what, really know, affect your life, which I think is when fascinating. When people give people shit for having, pro- you know, uh, it's a legitimate experience of a problem. Right. But I feel like this book sort of doesn't translate beyond Japan, Europe, and the United States. I mean, it or the, does. AKA but the first world. The first world. <laughs> right. That, you know. Sorry like, to our South American listeners. This, no, I mean, I'm sure it would apply to, you know, other places but i don't know what i'm trying to say but what i'm trying to say is well she admits that though she basically says having this like is a way capitalist too problem. much stuff that it makes you sad is hands down a capitalist problem and well but no but she says she says this is a capitalist program problem because we we have no idea how much we need or want because of the plentitude of things like so we don't know what possessions mean Right. But I also think that it is 100% like not a Buddhist book because it doesn't, you know, encourage maybe not 100%, but it's not that it's encouraging. Isn't it 80%? Because it is like get rid of most of your things. Well, sort of. But it's it's instead of um, encouraging people to not become attached to material possessions, it's teaching you to become extremely <laughs> attached yeah, but you're to also detaching objects from a lot of other or ones. like but you are. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, that's why I think that this tidying book and this tidying process is really interesting. And that's why I want to talk about it on the podcast. Okay. But um, before we do that, yes. we have some miscellany to get to. Miscellany? We need like a theme song for this section. Um, if you could play I'm Right Behind You Now, Charlene, that would be great. What is that? This is your theme music. This is our theme. Miscellany. Is that a real song? Miscellany. Miscellany. Yay, mate. 
What song is this? You're What's driving that? me crazy. That's Jane by Jefferson Starship. It's the uh, opening theme to Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, which I only watched one episode of. It's a movie. It's now a TV show. What? You don't know about this? Where can I find it? Netflix. Not a sponsor. <laughs> I tricked you into a commercial. <laughs> Damn it. Capitalism strikes again. Um, yeah, so I had a few <laughs> items. Um, but you might have one, so I don't know how you want to No, I just this. was I was willing to talk to with you about Expo. Yeah. Oh, so I'll just do my two. So the one I really I forgot to talk about. On the Venice Biennale episode, um, the first time I went uh, in 2003 after... Uh, 9-11? Yeah. <laughs> two years. <laughs> two years. Well, less than two years because it was in May. Um, I went and I was living with my dad in England that summer. And... When you saw that guy try to put paint on the Chapman brothers... No. No, that was that the was second I've... time you were in London? No, that was when I... Oh, that was the first time I was in London. I thought you were... I was thinking of when I went to see Sensation in New York. Uh, no. And the night yes. I got there, this old 60-year-old man smeared uh, paint on the Chris Ophelia elephant poop Madonna. Like, the night I got there, I'm like, oh, I'm witnessing history, you know? What? Do you know anything? Do you know the exhibition? No, sensation? I met Chris Ophelia last weekend, though. At Expo? No, at the at after party at the oh. Astro Gates' house. Okay. Fancy. But okay, Culture. so so do you know anything about the history of why you want to meet Chris Ophelia? <laughs> no. Do you? You know he you lives in a house built by David Ajay. Oh, in Trinidad. I don't know. Jesus fucking Christ. How am I supposed <laughs> to have a podcast? Like, I'm like, I don't know. And Do you know he's an artist? I know he's an artist. Okay. You're like those kids that, like, uh, like when you're at the, like, we were at the White Stripes uh, Flaming Lips concert, and then these kids are like, oh, Flaming Lips. They're so, like, it's so cool that Jack White discovered them. <laughs> Is that like when I went to that Arcade Fire concert and Devo opened for them? I was like, this is like a great band. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Because you did. Was it? Is this the Nina didn't know who Devo was? I knew story? who Devo was, uh, but I didn't know how great their music was. Uh, but I didn't know what. They are not men. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> um, so, so do you know anything about the Sensation exhibition? No, but are you are you telling me are you elaborating on your sidebar or is this the miscellaneous anecdote that you had to tell? Well, this is the na- no, I'm elaborating on my sidebar. This uh-huh. is the like emergency art history lesson. Oh, no. <laughs> this is going to take forever. Well, so you've heard of you do you know anything about the Sensation exhibition? No. Oh. God. <laughs> what? Why not? Okay, wait. Okay, what year? So, what year did you find out about that? Like, how old were you? I don't know. I was a teenager. All right. It well. was the nineties. I was a child in the nineties. Do you know about Chris Ophelia's painting of the Virgin Mary? Um, turn the monitor. <laughs> mm, oh, I have seen that painting. Do you know anything about why that's an important painting? No. God. 
But did you know that Chris Ophelia gets up really early in the morning to go on runs? Because now I know that. The painting that we're showing you, do you know that that is painted by Chris Ophelia? Are you just like, why are you showing me this painting? <laughs> well, I gained it from context clues because I'm not a fucking idiot. Uh, you, you just didn't get educated by the right people. I bet you could I bet you could identify the subtleties between different still life, so. Yeah, because that's what they trained me to do at school. We yeah. didn't have enough time to talk about new art. That's what it's called, right? Um, <laughs> Everyone's nodding. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, you met an artist whom you know nothing about, yeah. but because of because of his prestigious of name, reasons, now people will think I'm cool. But because of reasons, you're like I should go jogging with him. <laughs> um, well, for the record, he had paintings in the Venice Biennale, and I thought they were awful. Oh, you think everything's awful? No, I was looking at him. He painting is dead. In, remember, we decided it. No, he lives in Trinidad, probably in this beautiful attaché house. Attaché. Um, also, another British artist, Peter Doig, has since left the art world and moved to Trinidad as well. Cool. And they both look like their paintings really suffered by living in absolute ganja paradise. <laughs> Maybe they're just happy. They're like chill, and they're just making really bad work now, Aww. I think. So like, you're saying but, is you need to suffer to make good art. No, just don't don't live where you go to vacation. They both the the other reason why it stuck out to me is they're it's they appear to have changed in a similar way where they both got really loose and washy. And uh you know, it's maybe one or two are okay, but a lot of them you're just like you know, at a point where you're like, this is like it feels like they're influenced by the tourist painting there and then they're like, but I'm gonna like make it arty and then the way they make it arty is they just put less paint on it hmm. yeah. she says hmm, and she looks away from you're like texting on air no listen i <laughs> it occurred to me that chris ophelia might not live in a david adjay house but he collaborated uh, with him on uh a building on this like one <laughs> for the building's windows okay <laughs> but he helped him he helped him move once <laughs> <laughs> um so anyway uh Back to Venice. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. So the summer I was living in England and the fake Spanish national uh, threw paint on the Chapman brothers. Right. That was work. supposed to be a callback to our disasters episode. Right. But I got confused because I thought you were talking about when I was seeing Sensation in New York and someone else vandalized the Holy Virgin Mary painting in Sensation, um, which is why that painting is important. Mm. Um but I'm like, why didn't you talk about that on the disaster episode? Because I didn't witness it. It was uh. it just happened like I got to my sister's friend's apartment where, you know, we were hanging out. I was visiting my sister there when she lived there for a little while. And then we were watching the news and they're like, seventy two year old man smears paint on thing and they showed him being arrested and everything, and I was like, Whoa, this is amazing. And I was also like, We're supposed to see the show tomorrow <laughs> And they're like uh they're like Conservators cleaned it off, and the exhibition will be open tomorrow. And I was like, "Woohoo!" <laughs> but I yeah, got to see. Like I was like, paint, "Wow!" If I you like put like paint on something, does that mean you like painted it? Kind of. 
I think that's uh, people that appropriate culture. That's their theory of like, <laughs> if I just tweak this Hitchcock a little bit, then I'm as good as Hitchcock because I put, because not only did I put his movie in my movie, I also added like 2% more to it. <laughs> so I'm 102% Hitchcock. <laughs> I like that. Like, you know how we had that clip from an Alfred Hitchcock movie? On yeah. The last we're 102% better than Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> um, so anyway, I went to Venice. My dad was like, oh, you're going to Venice. I'm going to come too. And then I was like, no. But he was just traveling a lot because he was about to retire. And he had this short, he had this like two-year assignment or whatever for his company. Mm-hmm. And so it was like every other weekend he'd go on holiday. Because also cool. in England, everyone's always going on holiday. And there's always <laughs> bank holidays. And they're always uh, eating shepherd's pie. <laughs> Because in Europe, you can go somewhere cool on holiday. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, like, wow, we have a three day weekend. Should I go to Wisconsin or Michigan? Yeah. Well, and also, if you took that long to travel, you'd be in like fucking Brussels. Right. That's what I'm saying. There's cool places to go. Right. But they're like really cool. This is a commercial for Europe (laughs) where. (laughs) Well, you told me that Belgium was the Canada of Europe, though. That's what the English said. And I think that's because they're like, you have to like go across the channel to get there. You wouldn't want to go to. Brussels no, but Brussels thing. is cool, especially if you're an artist. It's like hip. <laughs> it is. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I take that. Well, no. If I would you're say. Just like, especially if you're an artist. I'm like, I am. I don't know. Well, you should know about Brussels. There's like a lot of gallery activity going on in Brussels. Yeah, but you know where there's a lot of gallery activity going on? Istanbul. And that's way better than Brussels. Yeah, but. Uh, that Istanbul Board of Tourism is a sponsor. Right. No, but Brussels has a little bit more of an established gallery scene because they're on the euro i believe yeah they're the capital of euro right isn't that where like the the eu's uh chamber of commerce or whatever whatever the fuck they call the government over there eh. oh jeez. <laughs> that's gonna be how i answer to everything all day why today. how come did you suddenly forget know. things yes you usually have more dis- more answers than i don't know i know i usually i know things about things okay so anyway um I went to the Venice Biennale in 2003, mm-hmm. and my this is the unique story. Okay, go ahead. Well, because I kept referring to things, then you're like, you, I don't know what a painter is. My friend said that like this is the way girls have conversations: like topic A, then topic B, C, D, then back to A, then back to B, then back to A again. That is the kind of conversation we're having right now. Oh, I thought you were implying that that had some order to it, and I was going to say you keep distracting me. So anyway. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Uh, we're back to the 737 rhyme. 757. Um, went to Venice. Uh, and my dad arrived with me. And then he kind of went on his own. and Because that was his like Italy weekend where he went to a bunch of places. Um, and it was really hot. And he didn't bring any shorts for some reason. It's like when I met up with him back, back in his back in the uk <laughs> back in oxfordshire and then he, he had these nah, 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 nah. i'm like stuttering i don't know what did you forget how to talk no it's a very traumatic story for me <laughs> oh god do you guys saw your dad in shorts that would be no it's a fucking awesome story so he had these really nice linen shorts and then he was like he commented on he's like i got there and i realized i didn't have any shorts and it's gonna be hot and i'm like you're going to italy in the summer it's gonna be hot um and then he's like, so I was looking and there are all these linen shorts, but I didn't like the way you could see your underpants through them. 
and it's I didn't see any this summer, but it is totally true. When I was there, like everyone had really light white clothes, all the Europeans did, mm-hmm. and they had all like sheer linen. And it's the kind where it's like not really supposed to be sheer, where you're like you really shouldn't be seeing through this. But you could see everyone's underwear through it. So mm-hmm. I, I sympathize with that. And that was traumatizing? No, I just... Is this like maybe you're not supposed to wear underwear with those shorts? No, I think you are. Because... Did you I ask don't anybody? Know of any, I don't know of anyone where they're like, you should see your cock through these shorts. Well, that was like on the set of Mad Men. They oh. had to like ask John Hamm to start wearing underwear. Okay. Because as the seasons progressed... Pants got tighter and tighter, and apparently uh, he hates wearing underwear. Uh, that's so he was looking around. And he's like, "Well, I didn't like these shorts like that." And I, I was like, "I totally know what you're talking about." And he's like, "So I had to hunt around to find a pair that were, you know, of light shorts that that weren't see through like that." And uh, and he's like, "I got these," and he's like, "They cost me four hundred and fifty euro." <laughs> he fucking went to. Prada oh in Venice and bought a pair God. of shorts for 450 euro. And just, he was like, I just went to whatever store. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, did he not know what Prada was? No. Oh my God. And then like later in the summer, he's like, these are really good shorts. And I'm I like, finally I, know why you, so. I finally know why you're so mad at me about Chris Ophelia. Cause yeah. I'm feeling that feeling about yeah. your dad right now. And I just thought, well, I wouldn't expect him to. And I just thought that was hilarious. It's like, he where like, are those shorts now? Are you going to inherit them? I don't know. I hope so. Um, you got to get on this. Yeah. He probably hasn't worn them since that day. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, he did that like emergency trip thing, which first of all was for shorts. And he was like going to end up in Rome. And he was like, oh, I didn't bring any shorts. So he did the emergency trip shop. This is why at a place Europe he needs would, Target. I where he <laughs> would so many times where he would never go ever, ever. And there, but there is like totally luxury. I mean, Venice is. A uh, huge tourist place, and they have like serious luxury goods store. There's like one little Calais, this tiny tiny area, right? Mm-hmm. And you're just there's like all 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 the Chanel, Prada, Top Shop. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that in Florence. It was like, yeah. but you're like, whoa! And then you're also like, because on on top of it, not only did he go to Prada, but it's like those shorts had to be brought on a boat across a lagoon <laughs> to that Prada store. <laughs> That's fancy as fuck. Yeah, and it doesn't I just get more luxury than that. No, and I just love that story. I just think it's so funny and endearing. Where he's just like, it cost me four hundred and fifty euros. I just euro. can't believe I couldn't find any shorts. I can't believe that your dad was so hot in his pants that he paid four hundred and fifty euros just for shorts. He could have just rolled his pants up a little. This was the summer where it was the hottest ever recorded in England. Like they had that on the news, and they're like, it got to a hundred and hundred degrees Fahrenheit today. Which is the hottest since the beginning of recorded time. Hundred degrees Celsius. But I'm just, he's from like, he's from was, Chicago. Like it gets that hot all the time. It was yeah, but they don't have any air conditioning in Europe anywhere because it never gets that hot. So you're like, Oh, I'm gonna go inside this restaurant and have a cool drink and you go in and it's hotter because there's no windows or any airflow. And you're just like, How can you have a mall with no air conditioning? And they're like, It's England. I don't know. I think mainland Europe is air conditioned. They had some air conditioning. It was really hot. I mean, this was like one of the like hot climate change, one of the hottest climate change. <laughs> like, like it's one that like is recited as like 
That yeah. was a fucked up hot summer. Yeah, but 450 euros. Well, he, that's why it's funny. It is I'm funny. Like, it is very funny. You got to go. You got to go. I was just defending. Konmari, your house, your parents' house and find those fucking shorts and take them for your own because they're your birthright. Um, <laughs> yeah, like Mormon underwear. Um, <laughs> so I, I wasn't defending 450 euro. I was defending buying shorts because <laughs> except i sent you that article that was in the new york times style section about how no man should ever wear shorts i don't care <laughs> andre is apparently upset by this because it's a fucking off radio <laughs> thing that you're talking about that you're giving me no. shit for whatever did that did did we read this article on the air no but loud? i explained it <laughs> i explained that i sent you an article about how you shouldn't wear shorts I, I'm done. I'm not saying I'm not condoning that position. I just thought it was funny. Oh, well, I'm not laughing. Specif- All right. So anyway, he's wearing shorts along. right now. That's why he's insecure. All right. Go ahead. I'm not insecure. I'm comfortable. <laughs> moving along. Um, I had a headline I wanted to bring up because it was about uh, relevant topics. Um, and I was going to read the whole story for you, but then I thought maybe not. But anyway. <laughs> The, uh, the headline, I'll just read the headline from National Geographic. <laughs> uh, oldest decapitated head in New World found in quote unquote Vogue position. What? Okay, I can't hear about decapitation. <laughs> right, so I thought I know that's you'd why. freak out. So, uh, so I replaced it with this headline, which is dog gets massages as Fremont man regains hand coordination. <laughs> <laughs> what the um that's like okay so my friend last night showed me the tsa instagram i put it on the i don't hate this instagram it's amazing (laughs) um i i don't know how to describe it but it's just like pictures of like weird confiscated shit they're like really artistically made pictures and i love it um so everyone follow at tsa yeah on instagram but there is this one of they're like remains of a human skull was found inside some pots in a TSA thing. And they're like, but the woman didn't know that the <laughs> skull was in the pots. And I was like, what? So, but the woman remains. didn't know that the skull was in the pots, but they didn't explain if she it was an ancient skull. I think it was in Fort Lauderdale. That they, found in. they didn't explain if it was like ancient pots that had like an archeological thing or if it was like i bought Modern these pots. at pier one <laughs> there's a skull in i them. bought those at those archaeology the archaeology lolology dig down by pier one <laughs> maybe she bought them at wait for it anthropology <laughs> oh my god um so do you want to save the expo wrap-up for the end yeah all right so um clearly this podcast itself needs some decluttering. Yeah. So I read this book. So my mom, okay. <laughs> so All my right, mom start. bought this book and she gave it to my brother. My brother gave it to me and they were like, oh my God, you got to read this book. They were like, oh, oh my, my God. God. And I read the book and I was like, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, it's called the life changing magic of tidying up. But like, I feel like my life has changed when I started tidying up and I basically like didn't communicate with anybody for two weeks. Cause all I was focused on was doing this decluttering project. Yeah. So, and, and it's kind of funny because my brother started it 
and he's done some work on it and my mom did some but i've been like non-stop committed to doing this so I'm, it's like gotten passed around our family my dad will get it eventually um but like i did the purge i'm not completely done yet but i already did my apartment and part of my parents house and it's like fascinating it's like thrilling to me mm-hmm. that i could be in a state where i know what objects i own <laughs> yeah i know that sounds crazy but my mom is cleaning out it's my grandma's house i know but my mom is cleaning out my grandma's house and there's all these boxes and they're like you know she doesn't know what they're gonna find and there might be like random stuff oh, you know in attic and basement though. yeah and it is and going through this stuff is fun because you do rediscover stuff but my cousin I'm never and my gonna uncle have when, to worry when about their that. grandfather died they found a pete rose rookie card in the attic Ooh. it's a valuable baseball card Ooh, i assume via context clues so your mom is is embarking in the mystery, the mysterious yeah, of her uh, own childhood. Of her past. own childhood, it's like it's like uh, many years later, someone excavating the catacombs and finding a cask of a Montadildo. What? <laughs> There's You're a, trying to say cask of a Montiato? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I was just wonder like what happens when they go back and they're like, we need to get the old wine, and then you know. It's I don't know when you're when you were describing going into an attic and finding all these unpacking and unearthing all these things that you don't know what they are. It made me think of uh, Edgar Allan Poe's. Yes. Uh, cask of Amontillado. But you said dildo. I know because when I read it, I was in honors freshman English <laughs> and we're like, Tee. well, no, we were like old enough to know that it's clearly not that. But we're like, we can't think of any other ways to pronounce oh. it. Um. Yeah, but I hope there's no stuff stuck in our attic because our the only thing in our attic is squirrels. Like mm-hmm. there are well <laughs> dozens of squirrels that now. live in our attic and they run around on the inside of the wall. So if you're in my parents' house in the middle of the afternoon, you're really quiet alone. There's just like this like like coming from the like squirrel noises of them scurrying across the ceiling. H. P. Lovecraft stories. The squirrels in the wall, <laughs> and then we had a we had animal control come out and take a look, and they're like, "Yep, definitely have squirrels living in here, and it's a bachelor pad." And we're like, "What?" No, like, yeah, There's all the jizz everywhere. <laughs> all the male squirrels like lived together in the attic, and then they found a Doritos bag, so we knew it was true. <laughs> That's their official opinion. Yeah, oh. the, the city was like, "Up, oh, got Doritos," so you know. There's no beds, but there's tons of futons. <laughs> there's nothing in the fridge except a jar of mustard. They've got a little squirrel fridge. It's pretty adorable. <laughs> I just think it's funny that you're yeah. saying that because you sleep on a futon and have nothing in your fridge except for mustard. No, I have a Brita water pitcher. Because <laughs> you said only only purified water for your baby boy. Yes. And then I realized he's drinking, been drinking out of the shower, so I've been <laughs> less diligent in filling his water dish next to his food, which I'm not convinced he drinks out of. <laughs> I've never seen him drink. I think I caught him once. I heard him drinking in the puddle in the shower. But he my only veterinarian, drinks when you go to work. Huh? He only drinks when you go to work. I was trying to think of something like, you know, my dad only drinks when he needs to. <laughs> my mother only drinks when you're, when, when you're flying. 
when you're fl- what? Well, uh, you know, or like mo- mother only drinks when you're when you're off to war. I don't know. It's just, like you're like he only drinks yes, when you leave. So I it's know, like the idea right. that it's like, well, it's this wife, and it's like uh, when like when you're flying? out on the road. Is that a thing? Okay, go ahead. Anyway, maybe he's a pilot, and so she's always worried he's going to crash. I uh, that you so just you just like wove some kind of like, it, you know. I don't know tapestry story that like only you knew the plot of, but you're like, yeah, you guys know like this guy and like his mother is an alcoholic, but like no. it's only because he's in the air I force was... and he's being shipped <laughs> off and he's always flying and she gets like a call and then she starts drinking. Yeah. It's like you like <laughs> you have this fully formed novel in your head yeah, already for sure. It's about Such it's a about it's about one of the bachelors in the squirrel pad, <laughs> and uh, he meets this girl and you know. You know, his last girlfriend. A girl squirrel? Yeah, well, he meets a chipmunk, and he's like, it's really going well with her, and then she finds out he likes jazz, and then she doesn't know. There's one of David Sedaris' stories about a chipmunk girl that starts dating a squirrel, and then one night he's like, do you like jazz? And she's like, I love jazz. And then she goes home and talks with her sister, and her sister freaks out because they're conservative chipmunks. (laughs) And... um. She's like, jazz, you said, what if jazz is a weird sex position or something? She's like, oh, God. And I said, I love jazz. (laughs) So she has to break up with him. And it's just a misunderstanding. And then years later, when she has her own little chipmunk children, she's always like, wow, what what happened to that jazz squirrel? I don't. Oh my god, my brain is exploding right now. Okay, so so anyway, that squirrel who didn't marry the chipmunk, he then meets the right squirrel for him. So and no, he becomes a pilot. Oh, I see. And so his squirrel wife, whenever he's out flying. She wonders, what if I had gone lesbian for that chipmunk? No, she goes, (laughs) she wonders, she's worried that her squirrel pilot husband might crash. And so whenever he's flying, that's when she drinks. Mm -hmm. You said it was his mother, though. That's the plot twist. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say it was his mother. You wrote that into my story. (laughs) Okay, so um, then I gave the book to you. And you read it, and I think you've been decluttering because you declined to go to some activities because you were too busy decluttering, which is the coolest thing ever because that's what I did. I didn't want to speak to anybody for days. Yes, but it is a long process. Yeah. Well, so we wanted to, what are sort of the principles of the KonMari method that make it different from other things? Uh, You don't clean up. You do bad things. You don't do your homework. (laughs) I know you're supposed to. Well, in the decluttering process, you actually make it worse because you pull all this shit out. And then she's like, you can't put it away till you're done. Yeah. I think you put it away categorically, though. Right. Because I put my clothes back. Yes, I did put it away categorically. But I'm I feel like I'm not done because some places I decided to put stuff I feel like is not really that great. And so I need to We'll just go back and re-declutter. Go back to yeah. Go back. That's why I feel like I'm not. But done don't go yet. back to those places. Go back to those things. Uh, right. Oh, uh, that's a good thing. So, so she tells you to declutter by category, not by room, and you take all of the things of one category. So, like, and it it has even subcategories. So, like, first you do your clothes, and of your clothes, first you do your shirts, then you do your pants, then you do dresses and skirts and then you do whatever must be hung right um and then she has like rules of how to fold stuff which it okay and in the book she's like okay i tried to follow this 
as to the letter as I could, even the stuff I that she said to do that was stupid <laughs> that I thought seemed stupid. Um, and the, the first thing was the folding. So she says only hang stuff that can't be folded basically that, or that tells you that it feels like it should be hung. Up. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, Dialogue between you and your objects, yeah, and your possessions, your items, like literally dialogue. Like she tells you to talk to your stuff. And well, yeah. So that's, I mean, start out with that before we even get to folding. What did you do? How did you get to the folding stage? What came first? Well, so first I did clothes, and I've tried to do this in the past, like in in certain ways. Okay, so step one is, is you take, take out all, all of your clothes. Yeah, and if you can't do it all at once, you start with the tops. So you have to find all the tops in your house, and the and it's also if you forget one or something, then it's too late. You you should have found it. Yeah. <laughs> so you go through all your tops, and what you you touch. You and have you to feel touch in your one. hands every single one individually. You pick it up and you hold it, and you say, "Does this spark joy?" And if it does, you keep it. And if it doesn't, you get rid of and it. And if it doesn't, you reap it. Because the idea is not deciding which things to throw away, which is what I had previously been doing with my clothes. I'd be like, oh, God, this has a huge hole in it. Forget it. But I, but there was a lot of stuff that I was like, I hate how I look in this shirt, but it's a perfectly good shirt. Right. <laughs> and they would keep it. And she's like, no, nah, only keep things that spark joy. Because then when you like open your stuff, it's like. And you love everything, and you just like yeah. you like live in a constant state of ecstasy because you just are like my house is so great, my stuff is so great, I love all my clothes, la 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 la. Right. So the other thing is you you don't say does this spark joy. I feel like I look at it and I say do you spark joy. Mm. I ask it. Uh, I but haven't I, tried I, that. This is the part that where you're talking about talk where it can be life changing. Yeah. Um. Where. So when you're asking it of this, one of the things you you say is like maybe it already brought you joy. Like if you mm-hmm. bought the shirt for a reason or you don't really need it anymore and you're just holding on to it because you used to love to wear it. So then you thank it for its service. Yeah. And, and that I did audibly, like out loud. I would be like, thank you so much for all the fun times that we had together. I particularly had one shirt that was like my favorite shirt and I would wear it all the time. And... I would like always meet a lot of cute boys while I was wearing the shirt. So it was like my magic hookup shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it had a ton of holes in it. And so I had stopped wearing it. And so it was not really your magic hard. not get laid shirt. Because yeah. It's like all janky. So, so I was like, I should probably get rid of this shirt. So I was like, thank you. You know, you did a really good job. We had a lot of exciting times together in the shirt. You spent a lot of time, exciting time crumpled up in a pile on the floor <laughs> next to some guy's bed. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it's time to move along. Yeah. So, and then I would like place them into the bag, like garbage bag. Yeah. Like I wouldn't shove it in and be right. like, or toss it. You know, I yeah. would like place it in. And yeah. that's how I, I got rid of a lot of my toys from when I was a kid, uh-huh. which we can talk more about. But yeah. like, I, I pl- my mom was like throwing stuff, and I was like, stop, stop. And then I would like put them in, like. Yeah. Like laying them to rest. And then you threw it in the dumpster. <laughs> yeah. Then I was like, what? <laughs> like um, haul it over like Santa Claus and be like, what? Well, the other part of the like life changing or, you know, therapy or whatever, uh, like 
that I you could see that applied is the idea when she's like maybe its job was to like show you you don't like to dress like this or something yeah and then she compares that to people where you're like sometimes not everyone you meet becomes like a soulmate so maybe sometimes people are in your life for just certain reasons and you don't have to be like you know in contact forever sometimes people are there to like teach you like what you don't like or kinds of people you don't like yeah so totally I that was yeah my mom has told me that about people sometimes. Like if you're really annoyed or had a really frustrating experience, she'll be like, but now you know how to handle that yeah. experience. And it's always hard to yeah. own up to that because it's so yeah. miserable while yeah. you're living through it. But yeah, I and I, I wrote down some things that came up for me emotionally while mm-hmm. I was doing this. Like I felt like I needed to keep businessy clothes, like mm. blazers and button downs and like, black slacks <laughs> like in case I had some kind of important business meeting <laughs> and I was like I have important business meetings and I wear a dress and a sweater or something you know uh-huh. I don't wear black slacks and a blazer I don't wear suits you know and I hate them and I'm never going to wear them yeah. so I'm gonna get rid of them yeah um because it was just a feeling it was like a feeling like oh well I should have this in case of yeah something um, another thing was like colorful things. Like I love wearing black and white as you can see from like our profile picture, uh, on SoundCloud. But I was like, well, I feel like I should have some colorful sweaters or something, but I never wear them. I love wearing black and white stuff. And I was like, I'm a happy, vivacious person. Anyone who meets me can pretty much sense that immediately. I don't have to wear bright colors. You provide stuff. the color. Yeah. So there. Yeah. Well, what what did you think of your clothes? Like what? I don't have much clothes, I would say, of the stuff. Like there's not a whole lot to it. I do like the the folding thing because I feel like that was already on top of something I already like. Because I remember one time when <laughs> you were helping me move itinerantly from one friend's place where I was living in cat sitting to another friend's place where I was going to live in cat sit. You were just like amazed at the folding I was doing. <laughs> so I felt really proud of that. Yeah, um, I didn't know, I didn't know how to fold anything and she has a really specific way of folding yeah. that helps everything stand up. She calls it the sweet spot where it stands up on its own. Mm-hmm. And then you can pretty much put anything in all these drawers and this works for towels and like mm-hmm. sheets and stuff I found too and it saves so much space. Like I can't believe how tiny I folded some of my linens. And they all yeah. stand up on their own so you can kind of put them anywhere. Yeah. So I thought it was stupid because she's like, most of my clients have never learned how to fold properly. But then when I teach them, they even think folding is fun. And I was yeah. like, yeah, real lady, like seriously, fun? This is torture. And I kind of think it's fun now. Yeah. Like, yeah. I do like the her folding method. Well, and it. Do, do you want to play a video of her folding? It's sure. 90 seconds. It doesn't yeah. have any sound. It doesn't have any talking. It's all She's silent? It's just Yeah, you music. just watch her fold it. And the song goes, watch her fold it. <laughs> I There'll did. There'll always be a folding after. The way that I know this video is because I watched every yeah. <laughs> fucking video on YouTube about the folding. There's a lot of like, you know, style and lifestyle Mm -hmm. vloggers who Mm -hmm. have done this and then they have folding videos and i actually thought the folding videos were very useful a lot of the other konmari videos where people like my journey i I, not all of them were good (laughs) i uh well i would so 
the folding thing I like, and I, it was also kind of related to something I've been doing where I read that from like a, a backpacking guide from my, my many fold visits to Europe, staying in hostels and whatever, or I, whatever I'm like the, the problem with you upgrade to a hotel from a hostel is then you don't feel like the richest person there. But if you're the person that rents that's in a hostel, but you've got the single room with a shared toilet, you're like, I'm the richest. <laughs> I'm in the penthouse. And then you're like $300 for a regular in a, at the best Western Venice. <laughs> um, but I had read that where it's like, Oh, fold your t-shirts and underwear and everything by rolling it into like a, a tube I got rolling it up yeah and so I into did that a, one. into a sushi yeah exactly so I'd done that when I was packing and then when I got back and I was like there's no reason not to do this all the time and I was like look at all these t-shirts that are fitting there so I was like yeah this is you know she's like telling you to apply to everything yeah so that was like encouraging something I'd already you know you felt intuitively yeah. well I was like really excited for you to start this process because it's so you're, fucking traumatic no because you're a very neat person and you like stuff to be just so but i did notice that like when i was over with bob and maybe it was just because bob's toys were everywhere but it was looking like messier than i had seen it before and um whereas when you visited my room that one time you were like do you drink a lot and i was like (laughs) what are you talking about no you know me and you were like because your room looks like a drunk person's room (laughs) because i would just like come in and just like dump stuff on every surface yeah yeah they just reminded so me was of, just of like people's places on all the surfaces and clothes on every chair and stuff yeah where where yeah where the everything is yeah kept everything exactly is what out you're describing yeah and it's <laughs> in this way where out. it's like well they're always saying they're hungover and they're always you know they're they're working full-time and then they like party on the weekend and so it's like not only is there not time to clean up and put things away, but then there's also this like, I, I worked five days and then I stayed out till three on a Friday and now, you know, and then yeah. you just sleep all day and then it's Sunday evening and it's Sunday. Yeah, I guess um, that actually perfectly describes my life except for the like drunk and hungover, but I just schedule so, I'm so busy and schedule so many things and over schedule myself yeah. that I was never, I'm never at home enough and I would always yeah. say that. I'd be like, well, I'll clean this up on the weekend and then on the yeah. weekend I would have like four different things to go yeah. to and then I wouldn't even come home until like, you yeah. know, after one and then I was like, well, I'm too tired to do it now. Yeah. Um, and I, I always felt like overwhelmed. Like I, ha- my yeah. life is full of obligations and my messy room that I can't clean yourself. up. Sometimes, right. sometimes it's really important to just hang out at home. Like even if yeah. you don't have a family or whatever, you're a single guy <laughs> and you just have a cat and he doesn't want to hang out with you. I don't even have that. No, but I, have I mean a TV. like, like the idea of like, you know, yeah, you yeah. want like to realize there's well, to value like to domesticity. Yeah. And yeah, even though you don't live at your parents' house, I know this is relatively new for you, but <laughs> <laughs> where you're like, I want to be home on in the evening and like cleaning up, not just because my parents say you should be yep. home on a school night or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're like, I actually want to be at home. And that I feel like now that I've done this, and I've only it's only been like a month or two months since I did it, but I I already have that. Um, I already feel like my space is like a sanctuary and that I can sort of, you know, like spend five minutes 
putting stuff away uh-huh. and then like sit and read a book or something. Yeah. And it's really calming. This so, is one of the good things about a cat over a dog. <laughs> Speaking of the folding method, they're very good at folding up and placing themselves in tight compartments. That's true. Um, well, okay. So she says to visualize like a goal or a way that you want your life to be. So what were you visualizing? Oh, I wrote that down. I didn't bring it. And I also don't know if it's too private to share. <laughs> you don't have to if you don't want to. Well, what if it but, was well, like I... wanting to have a workspace? Mm-hmm. Like I have this desk and this chair and I always like envision the idea of like getting up and making myself coffee and working at the table. But I never do because there's stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll share that part. Yeah. Not and the larger life term goals that I, I assumed would be solved by folding laundry. Yeah. <laughs> but to work on art or just to anything? Yeah. Work on art, uh, writing, doing art yeah. related design things. Or well, the projects. reason the reason I'm like bringing Digitizing that up is Digitizing audio cause... cassettes. <laughs> That's something I do want to do. Yeah. I have That's all these great story tapes. I want to digitize them. Huh. Well, I guess I've done that. The reason I'm already. bringing that up is because it sounds like this has literally nothing to do with art. But the more I did this process, the more I felt like. Well, those are it, the longer ones where I talk about wanting about to have a studio space and yeah. wanting to have money, you know, and not yeah. waste money and not to feel bogged down by my possessions and mm-hmm. um, all that. So yeah. it does relate to art. Yeah, I I wanted. I mean, kind of how I described, I wanted to feel like a grown up, like this mm-hmm. is a grown up's home because it's, you know, away from my parents and I can live like an adult. Mm-hmm. And then also I have so many obligations in at work and in my life that I could have a sanctuary that was quiet mm-hmm. from those. And then of course a place to make art too, but right. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, this has also been a theme with my work. Um, having stuff trying to get rid of it or like the paintings where you're taking old paintings and you're sort of discarding or getting rid of them or trying to figure out what to do or you know and you're like so then I turn them into these monochromes with like the edges of the original still showing through mm-hmm. have you have you gone through any of your art yet no okay will you do you think yeah okay I have to I know otherwise it's never done well, yeah, it's one of the things. Um, this also does remind me of this one artist project I thought was interesting uh, by Mark Leckie, uh, English, one of the sensation generation, but that <laughs> means nothing to you. <laughs> um, he did this piece performance thing. I don't know. It was called Breakdown. Um, and he had a whole system set up in the exhibition space or wherever this was with uh bins and <laughs> sorry that made me laugh <laughs> Andrea sneezed I know but it sounded like like a little chipmunk or squirrel or, you know where they're like like a chipmunk and a squirrel getting married yeah Aww. just like this little <clears throat> I do <laughs> yes yes and that's like what she thinks about when he's flying, the squirrel's flying, okay. and how she sneezed and he kissed her on the nose and then it was fine. And then everyone's like, that's the most adorable squirrel okay, chipmunk so wedding I've ever seen. Wait, 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 tell your story. I'm getting way off now. 
Um. <laughs> oh, my oh, I'm God. Sorry. <laughs> oh. You just come to a crashing halt. Thanks um, a lot, Andre. Don't. Oh, no, we love Andre. Yeah, we do. Um. So it was sort of, uh, it was a little bit TSA like, because you know, there's all these bins and people are like pushing them down these conveyor belts and those metal cylindrical things they have at grocery stores or whatever when you're unloading stock, you know? Nope. I was going to say pneumatic tubes. <laughs> no. No, but I did read on Wired that uh, Saudi Arabia has set that up in Mecca that they use pneumatic tubes to move like 500 tons of garbage a day during the Hajj. Whoa. It's all subterranean. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, but no, not that. Uh, so anyway, they had, you know, if you imagine like an assembly line yeah. or a unpacking facility where you've got like a bin of something and you slide it along and so he had people going through it with him and he broke down everything he owned mm-hmm. and into like, and it was like chopped into tiny pieces and everything broke down to its parts and everything. And then oh. pulverized or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, he even did that to his car, like every single possession he had. Wow. And he had this little book where he just drew like a doodle of the thing. Um, so like that was where I learned of the piece. It was like an artist book show and it was like the catalog. It was just this huge, almost like two reams of photocopies, like bolted together, like, you know, with like brads or whatever. Um, and then just all these little quick doodles of every single thing from this breakdown piece. And then like, what, did, how did he live? I don't know what happened afterwards. Also the, uh, they probably paid him like $700 million and then he just bought all new stuff. No, but I mean, it also included a Damien Hurst painting cause they were at ro- the Royal or uh, goldsmiths together so that also got like unstretched and then you know broken to its essential elements and then cut up into pieces or whatever oh my god so he had like art yeah he had like artworks from the the ybas the young british artists i couldn't do that yeah so everything i couldn't do that because my the artwork that i have sparks joy too much no i know but i just it made me think of that piece and i remember that was something i thought of that like really interested me Mm-hmm. Or like also I wrote about this when I was talking about like not having a studio. There was a what are they, it's called post do post studio artists have post studio visits? Because <laughs> as I always like if you don't have a studio and you're working in an apartment or whatever, you're like, how do you get people over to look at it? Yeah. Um, well, but, I thought about that because I want to have a studio visit and yeah, I was like, I guess I should make my bed or yeah. something. <laughs> you know, like it's, I don't have a studio. It's just yeah. my house. But yeah, because there was this image uh, of this like artist, uh, Philippe Perino, his like studio home or whatever in Paris. And it's just this like, it also had really sexy carpeting. It was this like deep, deep purple carpet. Um, sure, eh? But it's just this tiny like apartment room and there's like a lamp and then there was like a Mac on six books. Like, so it was also like, you could tell it was laid out where he would just lay in the middle of the floor and then he's got like a laptop and then like an iMac and then like three books. And then, you know, like there was nothing in there except this. And I was longing for that. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this be so amazing to just have that and like not have all this other stuff to worry about. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I did go through my art um, and it was a great experience. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was going last, to be, right? yeah. 
um, not not all the way last, but in the last section. So after I had finished my house, my with my clothes, books, kitchen supply, papers, kitchen supplies, and stuff like that, and like little doodads and jewelry and makeup and nail polish and like all that crap. Then I moved on to some photos, old papers from school and stuff that was in my parents' house. And then I did the art. So it wasn't mm-hmm. the last thing. Cause I did like childhood toys and stuff like that afterwards, but and I'm not totally done. Um, but I thought it was going to be way harder than it was, but it was actually pretty easy. And it made me feel so proud of the work that I wanted to keep. Oh, oh yeah. You know, cool. I was like, this stuff is good stuff, you know? And the, I mean, it's like patting yourself on the back, but there was stuff I hadn't looked at in a really long time. And I was so grateful for that experience. And then I could be like, oh man, I hate this, you know, perspective drawing where you have to mm-hmm. draw the buildings and you draw the little signs and they're like mm-hmm. different fake businesses and stuff. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, I hated this. And I got to throw it away and be like, fuck this assignment. And then I found, and I thought I was just going to throw away all my drawings. But then Mm -hmm. I found a couple of like figure drawings that were not that bad. And my friends were the models. So it was like, nice. You know, I want to keep this one. But I can throw away all the other seven ones. and, Mm -hmm. And it felt great. But I did what you suggested, which was destroy all of the art Mm. that I was throwing away. So do you want to tell me why you said to do that? No, you talk me through it. Okay. Well, you said you told me that it was like bank statements or something, that it was mm-hmm. private and then I should destroy it. Yeah. So yeah. Cause it's like a private information. It's the same way you wouldn't let your social security number or something out there. But what, I mean, I guess. Cause it's your work. So you don't, I mean, not necessarily like. Like, are you saying that from a monetary perspective or, like, a diary kind of thing? Like, are you saying, like, someone could find it and sell it and be like, oh, I found this long-lost Picasso in a dumpster or something? That's probably the thing most of us are least in danger of having happen to us. (laughs) You know, Um, someday. It's more of, like, what is your artwork and what do you want out there? So if you're not even keeping it, then that means that's not something that's... Uh, an artistic expression that you want to go out there in the world. Mm-hmm. So therefore you, you shouldn't just do that. And I mean, I, even to the object, I think destroying, I mean, that's still respecting your art practice. Like I think if you just toss it away, like it's a newspaper or something, it's then it's just whatever. But there's something about that process of like, I'm tearing it up or, you know, whatever, like, it's like cremation or something. It's funerary. Hmm. Um, and, and yeah, it's your, whether it's going out into the world with your name attached on or something, it's just like, imagine someone finds the drawing somehow it blows out of the dumpster or whatever. And they're like, this is really cool. And then they hang it up or something. And you're like, no, that's not me. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's like the idea of like being misrepresented or something, even though they never know it's you. Like, I don't, I don't feel so strongly about that. Hmm. If somebody found the drawing and was like, this is really cool, I'd be like, well, well, I was going to say, well, you have bad taste, but enjoy it. <laughs> but then I was like, but I made it, so you, you have, have to good listen taste. to your, int- you know, you, sh- you, you were listening. <laughs> I mean, that's what the point you is. You were like, listening to your heart. Right. And it's, that's what it said is you have bad taste, meaning, so you're saying, no, this should, this is not going out into the world. 
But if someone has bad taste and they want to keep doing that, more power to them. They can enjoy it, I guess. I yeah, I guess, spark but joy I for mean, someone you, else. You know, stop being like like a obstreperous '60s drug-addled musician. That's like, well, it's, I mean, if they want to like it, they can. You know, but like, <laughs> we just recall what we want. <laughs> no, I I mean, I don't. I just don't feel um, as strongly about that as you do. Yeah. Well, I. I mean, it would be weird because I had some self-portraits in there from. Mm-hmm from painting class i don't know i mean art is a it's a whatever you're doing even if it's like a really dumb graph about income distribution it's an expression of you Mm. like whatever you're doing that that is it's personal and it's coming from you and so that's why i think it should be guarded and thought over and and respected and you know and it's it's like a flag like you bury a flag or you burn it or whatever you don't just ball it up and throw it in the garbage it's it should have that kind of sort of reverence sacred yeah there's something sacred about it yeah you know it's like uh you don't just like pour communion wine down the toilet like (laughs) if it's left over something some artist would do (laughs) it it depends on you know depending on your denomination and the rules of your church if you're either the priest you have to drink everything that's left over (laughs) or you like pour it into the earth or something so what if it gets poured into a toilet and then the priest has to drink out of the toilet uh that's only if it's saint bartholomew <laughs> um i don't know so that, that's my thought there is there is something a little sacred to the artwork that you've made and so it's yeah it, it should at least it's be fu- treated it's just it should funny, be at like, least treated just, with the, the care that you treat yeah you're you know your like if statements. i had to like guess like what does Eric think about this topic? I I just, I don't know. Like, I'm not used to hearing you speak so reverently mm-hmm. or about things like that. And I'm like, I'm trying to decide, like, is this the opposite of iconoclasm or something? Or is it because you're, like, destroying these images? But I don't know. I'm trying to think of this, like, uh, <laughs> what a philosopher I, would say about this kind of conversation well, it's not or binary. Position. That's the other problem. I it's mean, not binary. It's... it's, it's uh, well, I, I don't and know, that's just, how I, I feel about this book in relation to Buddhism. Why would you want a part Buddhism. of you out there that you, you've clearly said well, this guess, is like, not a part of me because it did its purpose or whatever, and so it's done. So then why would you have this really personal thing just hanging out out there? I guess because I've almost like disowned it so much that I don't care. Like my T-shirts, you know. Yeah. I gave away a lot of my shirts and clothes mm-hmm. and stuff to my friends, and it was like – you guys get them now because this is like my good clothes that I'm getting rid yeah. of. Like usually when you go like, oh, I'm getting rid of old stuff. It's like the shitty stuff nobody wants. But I was like, no, no, you guys, I'm getting rid of the good stuff this time. Yeah. Um, and people are like, this is amazing. And I, I said the rule was they weren't allowed to be like, are you sure you don't want to get rid of this? Because it's really hard yeah. to decide. Yeah. And once so I've decided to... it's gone. Yeah. And. They were like, are you sure it won't be weird if you see me wearing it? I'm like, no, it'll make me really happy because it was something I liked, but I don't want it. Yeah. So you should have it. So I guess like at that point when I see someone wearing that, I'm not like, oh, my sweater. I'm like, that's like, that looks great on you. You know what I'm saying? I don't have an an attachment to it anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you don't have any, say you've got a blood test result. Mm -hmm. So you don't need that information anymore. Would you just put put that out there and then be like well if someone thought that was interesting i'd let them read it like <laughs> i don't know 
Is it? Know. Yeah, that's a like, that's I a better example than a, that's a better example <laughs> than a bank statement in some ways because it's like they can't do anything to you. You know what I'm saying? Like they yeah. they can't steal your identity or your money or something by your blood test results. But it is like really weirdly yeah. personal. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I can't make you care about your art, but. No, I care about my art. I really do. But I don't care about the stuff I don't care about. That's what I'm saying. Whenever I've decided I don't care about it anymore. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really. I did it. I, yeah. I mean, I think it was good advice because, yeah, I don't want somebody. I don't want I don't want to be Molly Soda. Uh, yeah. Thing. I won't get into that one. No. Um, no. But uh, so I did destroy it. But. I didn't feel as strongly about it. I mean, you really were like, you got to destroy. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, well, because it also, you can't, as much as I'm trying to compare it to help you understand what I'm trying to say, which I can't because you don't feel that way. So I can never. I get, mean, I think it was uh, good advice. Under- yeah. But. Um, but there's a certain thing that you can't compare it to anything because it's only that. I don't know if I followed that. You, I'm trying to compare it to things to help you understand oh. what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, I see. But I get even it. Even in okay. the end, we're like, well, it's like that. Well, it's like that. I mean, all metaphors break down, but it's particularly like there's no way to really try to yeah. convey because it's unique. Because it's art and it's more special than anything else anyone else does. Yeah. Special. Um, okay, so what did you, what do you think? I'm working on it. The first day okay. really sucked. I felt like I lost a whole day that I could have been doing other things. Instead, I was just. Yeah, I devo- I mean, I devoted an entire weekend to it at first, mm-hmm. and then it trickled a little more after that. But that's all I did for those two days. Yeah. Well, I'm excited that she said you have to do it quickly. And, and then later she's clarifies like that where she's like like six months (laughs) (laughs) well yeah so she says if you tidy a little bit every day you'll be tidying forever right so you're supposed to do it all as quickly as you can right but she's also like understands that people have jobs and stuff so it's like you have to be in this process but it could be something that takes months based on but also uh, like you live in a a one-bedroom studio uh, but like some people could live in a five-bedroom house right yeah yeah, and they have their basement with all their grandpa's stuff in it or whatever. Right. But I, I'm saying is like I'm doing my best, but I don't get to do it every day all day yeah. because I had that one day and then, you know, you're teaching and doing other things. So, um, But I'm trying to stay in the mindset of it and not put anything away. So that's also hell. <laughs> uh, well, I did put some things away by category. Yeah. So what have you finished so far? My clothes. And you didn't do your books yet? I'm in the process of doing my books. I don't know why it's too, I mean, because, well, you have a lot of books. That's true. Yeah. But it should only take you like one day to do the books. It should yeah, only take you like an hour to do the books. Well. I don't know. I mean, I started with the non. Oh, so you broke your books into subcategories. Well, yeah, because I have all these art books. Right. And those, I mean, those are also difficult because like some of them, they, yeah, they are kind of job related because I need that information if I'm writing something. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I also haven't had the time. Like that was, oh fuck, yeah. No, I haven't had the time to have a whole day where I do it again because it's been parts of days. Mm-hmm. Then we also had Expo, which we'll get to later. Yeah, but I mean, I I got I was like fanatical about doing this. Like, no, I would, I, I agree. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, it was like all I could think about. I would be at work and be mad that I had to be at work, that I yeah. couldn't be working on it. Yeah. No, I mean, I want to, after you do it that first time and you like take one garbage bag of clothes to your dumpster because you've like worn them. That's how you also know you could thank it for its service when you're like, I couldn't donate this yeah. <laughs> because it's yeah. like, I can keep wearing this if I want to, but you can't even donate this because it's like worn through and stained and stuff. Yeah. So you have that bag and you have the other one that you put in the, the like sweaters for the children or whatever, or, mm-hmm. or the, we're going to sell these <laughs> to a thrift shop when you're giving it to us for free, whatever you're like. I know. Well, but I that have feels a bunch good. of stuff. So I, I brought a lot of my books to my Epic books and I sold them yeah. and they made $38 and I was like, what? Awesome. Uh, I could use that $38. Yeah. Thanks a lot. But now I have a couple books that they didn't want to buy and nobody wants to take from me. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with these. You have one here. No right, one for wants us. them. Yes. I did bring one today because Eric asked to see it. It's critical issues in American art, a book of readings. And I just loved the cover because it totally made me think of all these like weird pamphlets and whatever stuff that my parents had from the bicentennial in 1976. Like, I feel like it reminds me of some rant, like, because my dad keeps all kinds of random shit. He's super neat. So he would fall into that category where she talked about, like, people that are experts at storage are hoarders. Because he's got so much random stuff, but it is all carefully filed and yeah. cataloged and everything. Mm-hmm. So it makes me think of like something he would pull out when we're looking at other stuff, and it would be some random Amico pamphlet about George Washington or something that he got in 1976 <laughs> when he was working for Amico. And I would be more fascinated by that than the thing he was trying to show me. Like this one time he... You know how there's a part where there she's like stuff you don't need like grades from when you were in school and you're, uh-huh. and I'm sure you were like who the fuck would keep whatever report card my dad yeah had his like report cards and he'd want to show them to us when we were the age he was when he got those grades Whoa. and it was cool but I also remember like I it bugged him so much because he'd have stuff wrapped in newspaper mm-hmm. and I just wanted to read the newspapers like it would be like from the Times Picayune from 1963 or whatever and I remember being totally fascinated by that and then also like the ads for movies and I was like holy shit 2001 A Space Odyssey was like in theaters and it was like <laughs> just some ad for that and I'm like oh my god this is fascinating yeah, like, I'm like in those really old art news is where they yeah. like have ads for Picasso shows and stuff yeah and like, what? yeah and I just got into the movie times and they were like saying like when Fellini's eight and a half was playing mm-hmm. at this time at this theater. And I was just like, holy shit, this is the fucking amazing. And he's like, well, I thought you'd want to see the grades. And I'm like, I'm sure you did good in school. <laughs> <Just like, laughs> but this yeah. fucking like newspaper from this random day, you know? Like, yeah. But it is amazing. Like on that storage experts are hoarders kind of thing. Like it's amazing how much space I found in my house mm-hmm. by getting rid of stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm like, now I have all these empty, you know, like plastic boxes that I had mm-hmm. stuff in. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that about feeling it's a, like, this doesn't cost anything. This method. Yeah. Cause she's like, don't buy weird storage shit. And then I also, she's remember, like, you'll find a bunch of like shoe boxes and stuff and just keep them till the end. Yeah. And then, yeah, where it's like, because I would try to do that, like going to the container store or something and then being like, I don't have $100 for these containers, you know, and like, mm-hmm. well, I'll get one thing. And then this one thing will be the thing that like helps me store or whatever. I know. Well, OK, I hate shopping for home goods. Like my brother's like, look at all these pillowcases or whatever. And I'm like, oh, kill me. But let's go I to Spatula love, City. Right. Spatula City. I love Spatula shopping City. 
for organizational stuff because it it makes me feel inspired. I'm like, my whole life's going to improve if I buy these little trays, you know, so. And then you get those three trays and they just sit on top of the clutter. Right. Exactly. Or just the clutter piles up on top of them. Well, inside. Yeah. Yeah. So it on top of garbage and then you start putting garbage in it. Right. Um, So I did. And I felt a little bit. Like, why didn't I have this three months ago? Because mm-hmm. I had just moved. And that was the thing. That was what was sort of like the realization to wake up to me because I got rid of a ton of stuff when I moved. And then my room was a mess again. Yeah. Like in a, cu- in a couple of weeks, you know, I was like, I just put everything away. Just put a designated a place for everything. But I didn't actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's her that pretty much that's her only like the whole beginning of the book is like h- how to get rid of stuff. And then like there's like three pages and it's basically like um put everything in a place and then you'll be clean forever because you'll just put it back in the place where it lives and when she Mm -hmm. says everything she means everything like every pen and like post-it and Mm -hmm. paper clips and everything needs a designated spot i agree and i'd never you know i i thought i was doing that but i wasn't doing it to the extent that you have to Mm mm-hmm yeah, I thought uh I felt like I could be one of her like short stories where she's like I had a client, <laughs> a woman in her 50s. <laughs> I did find this book this is a little bit like she's only dealing with like unmarried Japanese women in their 20s and then retired Japanese women in their 50s. Yeah. So there's a little bit of like matriarchy. Like I haven't Well, there was one guy that had a bunch of books, I think. But it is yeah, like a really like women. matriarchal thing. Um, I mean, there's like a whole section on skirts and dresses, right. right? And like jewelry. But those are things. That, I mean, but that's something you have to cover. I mean, yeah. You know, men wear like pinky rings, big fat gold pinky mm-hmm. rings, especially Japanese. Men. Yeah. Um, where to put your karaoke equipment? <laughs> um, oh well, that was like the most Japanese part. This book is very Japanese, which I love. But the most Japanese part is what to do with the t- um, the little uh, tokens trinkets. and trinkets that you get from the Shinto shrines that bring you luck. Nice. Yeah. And I had I had some of those that I found while I was cleaning. It is from funny. when I was I have... in Japan. But you literally, like, you go to all these shrines and you get these little things. And there's like a piece of paper and has your fortune in it, uh-huh. and then like a little stone. Or like a little like charm or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just loved that. It was like so Japanese. Um, and she says to put them on the shelf for one year because that's how long the good luck is good for. And then you should throw it away. Just like the warranty that expires. <laughs> right. Don't keep your warranties past one year. Don't keep the boxes from your electronics. Unless you're storing them in there because I have my printer scanner in the box. There you go. I, yeah. And again, you and again, well, the other thing she stresses that's good is she's like, you have to do what works for you. Yeah. So I think I think that fits into that where it's like, well, I kept my TV box because I knew I was moving and then it fit and then I didn't have to worry about the TV getting broken. Right. Because it broke itself because it was constructed by Panasonic. <laughs> but most of the time she's like, you'll find another box when it's time to move. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know how to convey that to my roommate because there's like shelves that I want to use. But then like he has boxes from electronics on them sometimes. Oh. I guess I could just play this for him. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, I don't know if it's in if it's a is it a public shelf? Um, it's in a closet, mm-hmm. so I think that counts as being a public shelf. 
why don't you see if his boxes will fit in his boxes? That's a great idea. I tried to do that with the suitcases, but they didn't fit. Mm. Bags inside of bags. So that's I have a little bit of trouble with bags inside of bags. But I don't really. I have like two bags. So <laughs> you have a lot of tote bags. Yeah. But those are also so thin they can hang next to each other and like. But think of how little space that they would take up if they were all inside of one bag and then that bag was hanging. But I need those hanging out because, like she said, you want to be able to see everything you own. True. And if I have all these. Well, the bags inside of bags, which I didn't understand, is that you put the straps out so you know what they are. How did you not understand that? That was like, because I love the way you describe this like there's like a 30 page chapter and you're like, (laughs) and then I would get to it and I'm like. No, she has a paragraph about folding tights and then a paragraph about folding socks. (laughs) No, because like when I watched all the things Mm -hmm. on YouTube, people would be like, you know, she says bags inside of bags. And I was like, what does that mean? (laughs) Explain. And then I I wasn't to that part of the book yet. Oh, I was saying. Because in the the book, she's like, and then I hung the straps on the outside so you could see which bag. I know. And I went, oh, (laughs) like (laughs) I was like, it all makes sense now. Um. Didn't I didn't get it before. I do have a lot of tote bags, but I wouldn't say. Well, when I yeah, I guess I should, I don't know. I'm fine with wh- how I have them stored. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. OK, I'm working on it. OK, I didn't, <laughs> no, you're not kidding. into the storage part yet. Even I'm I, I wish you a hard time. I, I mean, I feel like her storage stuff. I is got rid so... of a lot of tote bags, too, by the way. Yeah, you did have a lot of tote bags. I have only the ones that spark joy now or spark longan sheet. The one with the cat on the outside, I think the black a... and white one that looks like a notebook. Yeah. And then the <laughs> one, f- I think it says longan shite, longan shite. I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah. Is it an EI or an IE? EI. So that would be longan shite. Yes. When two letters go walking, the second one does the talking. There we go. Um, yeah, no. So, you know, I'm 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 working on it. I'm going to I'm going to play. So, let's see this book of yours. Oh, Critical Issues in yeah, American Art. Yeah, I want to see what some of the subjects are. Okay, I have to say now out. seeing it in person, it doesn't spark as much joy cuz I was hoping it 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 is a very simply on the cheap design book, so it doesn't have the texture of a book from the 70s, unfortunately. Uh, it was a new book. I got it for American Art. It's pretty much about the most boring kind of art, <laughs> which is like, well, I mean, there's some weird stuff in American folk. Coming of stuff. Age, Historical Scholarship in American Art by Wanda M. Korn. Reading 18th century American family <laughs> tri- portraits. Yeah. Oh, this one, I don't Well, no, I don't know. Ariadne and the Indians, Vanderlyn's neoclassical princess. Ooh, oh, radical seduction and melodrama of abandonment. This, uh, oh, I hate, I hate. Oh, God, art. Thomas Eakins and pure art education. Uh, Thomas Eakins. <laughs> I liked learning about Thomas Eakins, though, actually. I think. This is like American American art. I thought they were going to talk about. No, like, this is like American art from like. Well, I don't yeah, know. like American, like from fifteen hundred to like yeah, like the American eight, Art Department, eighteen hundred or something. Yeah, it's oh, not. This, this would this sounds like this could almost be like a. This could be a funny short story in my family of primitiveness and tradition. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so I oh, found, oh, wait. Okay. I like the title of this one. Who will paint New York? <laughs> <laughs> the world's new art center and the New York paintings of Georgia O'Keeffe. Awesome. She rules. Um, so I found oh, a lot George of- George Bellows, a stag at Sharky's. Boxing, violence, and male identity. Oh, I remember that. It's funny because I like barely remember any of these, but I theoretically I read that book when I was in American art. Well, I love how you like, because I said, I've got some books for you. And then you're like, do you want these or, or something? And I was like, I can tell by looking at them. I don't want them, but I do want to look at the one in person because I thought it might have some funny titles like my primitive and traditional family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I only have two books left that I can get rid of. So if anyone wants critical issues, critical issues in American art, art of the avant cards or the scarlet letter. <laughs> Email me at uh, I don't hate this at gmail.com. So or a rock <laughs> or a rock from outside the studio. Um, so I, I found feel like the rock will go first before so. the books. You know, I hope so. Um, so latest uh, copy of Muse Muse magazine. So I found some fun stuff while I was cleaning, and that was fun. Um, I it originally started as a trade publication for nude models. Muse. <laughs> That's funny. I wish. No. With with a editorial section by or a, a advice column from Dora Mar. <laughs> My mom looks like <laughs> Dora Mar. And it freaks me out whenever I see pictures of her. Like, I, I can't put my finger on it because my mom is not sort of like a glamorous, surrealist photographer. But <laughs> Julianne Moore looks like Dora Mar. There's something about like the shape of her face that looks like my mom, and it, it always surprises me when I see. Um. Anyway, Muse magazine. This these are hard for me to get rid of because I have like every Muse magazines from the Smithsonian magazine. It's like about science and like stuff, and thought and history, and has all these smart little smart kid articles for kids. And it oh, was is it like, like Ranger Rick, but for museum kids. No, it's like it's like um, the Smithsonian magazine, but for kids. Oh. Or time or something like it's not well, so no. political, but like. Um, oh, maybe it's like the magazine called the Smithsonian. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But it's for kids. Yeah. But it's also published by the Smithsonian Institute. Yeah. I mean, so is this. Right. But I think it's a little more science focused, but more than that. But what I'm saying it's, is it's art a, articles in it. It's an art. It's a publication of a school of museums as opposed to time magazine which is yeah it's an independent pillar of our information age <laughs> oh, i guess it's stronger than ever now that print media but muse magazine what i did i mean i went through all of them um i i don't you didn't know. just hold them and ask them how you feel because you're not supposed to look at that i know stuff. you're not supposed to even open them i had trouble this is like too. i had trouble with this one like yeah. i i have to go through them again um, because I realized how much this magazine shaped me yeah. as a person, like this particular magazine, all these articles in it that like really, I feel like shaped me and there's a lot about yeah. art. So I brought in this one that I found that I thought you might like. It has an article in it about Jackson Pollock and, um, how it contains fractals and then explains fractals to kids. Uh huh. But then right after it has the abstract expressionist brushwork. Of cats. <laughs> <laughs> so Aww. I wanted to share that with you. This is for me to keep or? Sure. A statistical analysis. We'll just give you a teaser. Art critics have long known that the works of abstract expressionist Minnie 
bear an uncanny resemblance to the garden plants and plants in natural settings of exceptional beauty. Ah, it's related to Why Cats Paint, <laughs> a book about trying to figure out why cats paint. <laughs> Who will paint New York? Cats. Oh, yes, they did. They paint. They painted up and down Broadway and all the way to stardom. <laughs> I hate Cats, the musical. Yeah. So. All right. So do you have, did you find anything fun uh, that you want to share? Oh. Oh, yeah. So uh, I also do like the part where she talks about trying to save articles and shit and how mm -hmm. real that is when she's like, I just thought I'd write down the important passages. Then I realized that would take forever to write down all these quotes. Yep. So then I thought I'd cut up my books and paste that. And I was like, holy fuck, you're insane. I love that. <laughs> but oh. I did love that, too. But I love the conclusion she gets to where she's like, don't worry about writing it down. Like if it lasts on you and then it does. And if it's so important, you got to buy it again. You know, it's like. You'll find out which quotes are the most important to like, you'll know which ones you need to like take the effort of writing it down and the ones that you don't end up doing. Right. You don't. And, and that everything that you've read is a part of you. It goes into shaping you whether or not you actually remember you read it or not, which yeah, I think so is think pretty about great. about that in terms of muse. Um, also, I will probably be throwing away a lot of the papers you brought for me from Switzerland. <laughs> and Venice so I apologize in advance but I'm going to read them most of them first and then when they no longer spark joy they will not I just wanted to clear that she has a lot of section on gifts because mm -hmm. she says the gifts are over the minute that you receive them uh, in some ways like it would be very nice if the gift was useful to you no matter what but the purpose of the gift is to like let someone know you're thinking of them or do something nice for them so you don't you shouldn't feel obligated to keep gifts you don't want. All right. So here are some gifts. Yay. <laughs> uh, for Nina. Die Brücke. The bridge. Kirchner Nolda. Ooh. And it's little. It's little. Oh, this is cute. From Basel. I guess. I, this was a gift to me. <laughs> Whoa, the pages are gold. That's dope. I think we have a winner. I like this book. Great. And for my producer, Andre. Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. Odelon Redon. Yes. The uh, the painter who painted the image that's on my phone background. Yeah, the uh, one-eyed cyclops. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, I really I really do draw like Kirchner. It's so weird. I had a teacher tell me that once, and it really offended me. But I actually really do. Yeah, they're sweet. Yeah, so it's all in French, right? The Redon book. There it is. Yeah. Oh get a picture of him with his book i will put it on instagram so yeah i thought you would enjoy that because uh you like the artist and you like and speak and read french so thank you very much it pleases me to give it to you yes <laughs> and i'm sure there's plenty of stuff if we have any listeners that are still listening <laughs> would uh have we could have an uh, we could have a online free 
We could have a freaking garage sale. <laughs> um, this didn't necessarily provide the dramatic tension I thought giving gifts on. I'm happy. Would. That's because I'm just yeah, smiling. Just you can't smiling see that on the radio. Um, do you have any books about Max Ernst? I want to learn more about Max Ernst. I do, but... Uh, they still spark joy. They're still sparking joy, and they also might be... So so I was thinking, yeah, this fits fits it. Like, I uh, uh, I thought I could be one of her short stories. Like, mm-hmm. I, mean, I was saying that before. Yeah. It's like, well, I had a client, and he had moved, you know, several times and often said you know he described it as i sold all my possessions and moved to berlin and so on um but yet he always found no matter how much he got rid of everything in quotes that there was still tons of things he was weighed down by so i felt i'm like how could i have gotten rid of so much stuff i got rid of so much stuff when i moved and i still feel like i have a ton of stuff so it's um like that so and then part of that there was stuff i didn't want to get rid of I knew I wanted to keep, but I also thought like, well, I have it in storage. So I like lent a ton of art books to uh, one of my friends. So they're like in her library right now. So that's where the Ernst might be. Mm. Um, but you're going to have to come coming for those. Yeah. One of these after days. I make space. Mm-hmm. So that's all I got. Great. Um, that was a kind of dramatic ending, but do you want, oh. uh, do you want to talk about Expo? Sure, we could a little bit. What are your thoughts? Well, um, Expo, Expo <laughs> Chicago, the, uh, the international art fair that uh, has replaced a replacement and so on. We could Chicago. do a whole episode about the history of that, but no. needless to say, it is uh, Chicago took the uh, number one art fair to now being the number fourth art fair behind the Armory Show, Art Basel Miami Beach, and Allied Biscuit. But this, like, it's like the same way how the Art Institute is the second largest museum after the Met, but the Met is like seven times larger. Yeah. Like, I Expo is like, I would trying say to on make that, fetch happen is not going to happen. On that, I say on that scale, the Art Institute is much higher up. Because if we're just talking about art fairs, no, in I'm the talking US. about square footage. I, no, I don't not know saying, what no, the hell okay. you're talking about. I was using square footage as analogy to be like best. <laughs> like, uh, wait. So you're saying that Expo <laughs> is one seventh the size of Art Basel Miami Beach <laughs> no, in terms no. of how much room is in the tent? No, in terms of how good it is. Oh. <laughs> well, so Art Basel Miami Beach is also very bad, but <laughs> no, I don't know. It's just. But it's probably the biggest fair in the U.S. Yeah. What are you saying? I don't. I'm saying that so Expo is trying like, to be cool and it's like not going to ever be cool, you know? Yeah. No, I know that. But that's also because of their brand identity. But it's also just because Chicago is so lame. Well, it's the problem. Chicago. I oh, I guess we do have to do some history. So many years ago, Chicago almost invented the sort of modern contemporary art fair. In the 70s and 80s, they had what was called the the. Exposition. That's why Expo is trying to return to its roots. Uh. But it was the call it the Navy Pier Fair or the Chicago Exposition. It was an art fair at Navy Pier, and it was one of, aside from Art Basel and Basel Switzer, and it was like the only other art fair. Wow, and it was huge and it was majorly important. Um, and then it was these other other fairs that grew up after it that sort of then usurped the title. 
Hmm. Um, and it changed hands and different things. And it was, uh, that's where you can get into a lot of the nitty gritty and the gossip and everything. But, uh, Chicago once was home to the most important art fair in America. Hmm. One of the most, imp- and that's why I'm also like, I'm not sure time wise art Basel might actually have started after. I don't know. Art Chicago. I don't know. Um, well, but there's like in the Richard Polsky who wrote the, I bought Andy Warhol book kind of talking about trying to collect an Andy Warhol and then just sort of like a memoir of being a dealer. Um, he talks about, art fair in there and it's like he's like some serious dire straits and he talks about renting this room in a roach motel in chicago and bringing all his art to the fair like trying to save his business by like going to this important art fair and so like that was once that was the kind of thing yeah i don't yeah i don't really like going it's it's weird it's like it does feel like a sale like a garage sale for the extremely high net worth you know collector Mm -hmm. it's it's like it doesn't feel like it's made for people to see stuff it seems like it's like vendors yeah but it's weird because the majority of people there are just there to see art whether they're oh yeah there aren't there artists art people or just members of the public like my dad knew about art chicago before i did because they'd advertise it on the uh classical music station go to it and stuff because it's like on navy pier Right. And then it's also like you can see a ton of modern and contemporary art for 10 or $20 or whatever. And yeah, I you know, bring the kids and eat a hot dog, get drunk at uh, Margaritaville <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> That's where they should have had the fucking after party. <laughs> it's just so it's weird, actually, to think about like how there's some really expensive art there. Just like mm-hmm. chilling. And it's kind of weird. But they check your bags on the way out. So. <laughs> they didn't check mine. Oh, they checked mine. Maybe oh. I look suspicious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know. Did you see anything you liked? Um, Yeah. So basically, like the other two times I've gone, I've been like on this mission to like see everything to kind of like absorb and understand like the state of art now and get some kind of like revelatory thing about something I never knew about before. And that was a road to ruin it was like terrible i would always be like this sucks because it's like a job like you said about the finale but it's like takes forever it's really overwhelming also you're not going to find the state of contemporary art at there right exactly so so it was like worthless basically so this time i was like worthless i mean well it's the i would do the thing where you're like i just want to see some you know find one thing i really enjoy right so this time uh i was just like chill and i just went to like a couple booths i had one cocktail then i was like wasted accidentally (laughs) and i was like you know what who cares and i just looked at the stuff that i liked and that i already had sort of like someone that i knew the artists um i there was a really good booth of um uta barth who i really like the photographer yeah okay um, I took a picture and that's where I ran into James Rondo, <laughs> the contemporary, yes, the contemporary <laughs> curator he? from the art Institute. Um, there was a, uh, Deanna Lawson picture. Um, I think I can't remember who represents her, but she has an exhibition up right now and there were some great images there. Um, and I, there was a lot of art with like, 
circular cutouts of stuff like collages mm-hmm. but circles and i have one of those one whole one inch hole punch circle things and oh, nice. i have done some circle collages so i was like kind of Is inspired by that yeah apparently that's happening now i don't usually like when just don't say it's trending, trending. Yeah. <laughs> exactly it's trending no this is real life it's trendy <laughs> right it's trendy yeah but my ha- my hands down favorite booth was the um the aperture foundation had charlotte cotton the photography historian um she wrote a new book called photography's magic just like the greatest title ever. Is um, this like a Sarah Silverman book or something? No, it's like a book about art, uh, about photography. And she had curated. Now, photograph is drawing with light. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, and it's magic. Um, she curated like 10 works that were in the book or from artists that were in the book. And they were awesome. I really liked it. It was all sort of like. I mean, you probably would hate it. <laughs> I'll show you the book, but it's all like sort of. Uh, I, oh, there was like a lot of cameraless photography and like weird sort of like objects or like digital collages. It wasn't. It was exactly like how when I say I'm a photographer and people are like, oh, cool. So you shoot like weddings or like do you shoot people or like plants or animals? And I'm like, no, I sort of do these like now weird just blobs imagining and Nina with a gun just like fucking mowing everyone <laughs> down and then like shooting shooting people at a wedding and yep. then just shooting random people and then shooting people's pets and then finally ending up shooting a flower <laughs> like, I'll see you in hell orchid <laughs> yeah so it was the kind of photography that I like uh-huh. that is like just a bunch of weird shapes and colors <laughs> awesome um so yeah photography is magic and I, I bought the book and it's really nice it sparked joy and it was signed by charlotte cotton and like for nice. the for the artist because they had a panel on saturday that cool. i missed uh. but yeah so that was my favorite booth and that that i doing like this with this new approach where I just like looked at a couple things mm-hmm. that I thought was interesting. Is it this made like me... a Conmari approach to looking at art? Yeah, maybe. Uh, no, it, really. Is it, it you're it, like, well, I'm not going to, I only will look like, at I things that spark the... joy. Yeah. One that well, also yeah, cause you're I like going... walked by and there was, Oh my God, I don't remember what it said, but there was some fugly painting. And I was like, I'm not even going to go walk over to that booth. Like, I just, yeah. It just, yeah, so I scorned it so much I didn't even bother. Yeah. So yeah, you're having the same approach to also like loosely folding things where you're not overly stressing the items. Yeah. Well, I did, I did look you're at something at I hated, which was like these videos. It was like supposed to be a painting, but it was like really a video and it was like this guy and he was like, I hate it. Every time American I go to see paintings, gothic. then you see a big video sticking right in the middle. No, it, that's, it was supposed to look like it was a painting, but uh-huh. then it was like animated and it was like mm. this guy recreating American Gothic and like, Whistler's mother and stuff. Did you see that? No. It attracted a big crowd. Ugh. Um, that's, it was some, that's something awful, that I'll t- I... This is why, you know how they talk about like uh, network executives are like afraid to have interesting TV because they're like American audience will only accept what's bad. But then like the American audience only sees bad things. So that's why they expect to like have bad drama. It's the same thing where they're like, we're not going to bring anything interesting to this fair. We're going to bring this fucking idiot painting American Gothic, and then like all these dumb Amer- Midwesterns are like, look, the American Gothic, and then, yep. then, but then you know, I, they're like, well, all right, well, next year we're gonna bring something even stupider. 
But I felt bad because I was at a dinner party and uh, was there a red dot next to it? No. Oh. Is that me shooting? <laughs> no, that's uh, Art World called code at an art fair oh. an art gallery and they put a little red dot <laughs> next I know. to the thing. No, I... <laughs> oh, no. It, it was N- Nina's laser scope. Yeah, I thought you meant like, like a laser. Oh. <laughs> um, I know it, I know it a sticker, a red oh, sticker. Means. Yeah, no, a red dot. And then <laughs> you're like, like pawing laser. at it and you're like, well, I can't catch it. <laughs> I can't catch it because I'm not wealthy. Um, but I, I felt bad because mm. we were at a dinner party and my mom's friend told me that was her favorite piece that she saw mm. at the fair and I was like, uh. Just like, I can't bring my mom's friends to these Chrisophilia events ever. <laughs> anyway, uh, what about you? What did you think? Um, oh, but it made what I what I want to just finish with is like it made me want to go home and make art. Oh, good. And that's the goal. So I actually felt really great about it. Maybe cool. it was because I was still a little bit drunk, but I felt great about it. Good. I um was dreading slash prepared and hoping to see the metallic plastic genie gang um ventilation hood (laughs) (laughs) that used to hang over the center of the fair because they did that three years in a row so the first year they're like we're fucking going balls out with expo chicago we've got we've got a logo that looks like it's from 2005 (laughs) we've got but then they're also like, oh, Studio Gang is designing this architectural identity for the fair. And it was like, holy cow. And then it was it's kind of like a big, shiny plastic, like plastic in the sense of like sheets of plastic. And then one made out of like Kleenex. Right. Reflective. Looked like a jet. Engine. Mylar. Mylar. That's what we're talking about. Metallic mylar over there. And you're like, that's cool. And then they they were like the second year they did it. They're like featuring architectural stuff by studio gang. And I was like, that's lame. They're having them do it two years in a row. And then I got there and it was the same thing. Like yeah. they pulled it out of storage. And then third year, the same fucking <laughs> thing. And I was like, Jesus, what, how can you do this three times? At least that time they weren't like featuring a special thing. Like, <laughs> um, so then this year I was like, Oh my God, they're going to do it. And I'm going to just fucking say something. And they didn't. And they did it. And you know what they put in its place? They put fucking sculptures of whales. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently it had recordings of whales on. Oh, I didn't hear that. The- I thought was you. You know, you totally tweeted something. We were like, there's totally sound art with whales singing. Oh, in it. no, no. It was it was literally in one of the booths. It was like oh. a performance where somebody was making whales. Oh, because I was like, they were like, oh, that's. And I, that was like the minute I walked in and I was like, oh, God, not again. And then I got drunk and then it was much better. <laughs> For those of you who haven't heard, uh, when Nina was a little girl, she wandered into a whale performance <laughs> art and was nearly trampled to death. She was separated from her parents and it took her three days to walk home. Not again. Um, she came home barefoot with a dirty Labrador retriever and a cat with one eye because they had all met along on their <laughs> journey home. Um, no, okay, so when I saw you write that, I thought that was part of the whale thing. Like, they had people <laughs> dancing and they were playing whale sounds and stuff. I mean, it could have been, but I don't know. But, I was just like, ugh. I, yeah, so it was kind of diminished expectations, too, because the whales weren't that big. Yeah. They were pretty big, but like compared to. They would have been big if they were on the ground, but in the giant. They weren't even one one scale. 
So while that's still a large object, you're like, that's not even whale size. <laughs> it's as big as a whale. And it's sort of like, because well, then they had Jessica Stockholder do an in-situ thing again. And last year she had a ton of bunch of different colored plastic shopping baskets. And this year there was just one color <laughs> and it wasn't as big either. Yeah. So. Um, they try to like bring that stuff in like performances and like wow. installations to make it less like a vendor, <laughs> like a garage yeah. sale for contemporary art. But like it makes it just makes me annoyed. I yeah. don't know. It just makes me be like, just go with what you know, you know, like yeah. make it a just like a fair oh i know what i would say my favorite part was at the vernissage they had lagunitas pills not oh. just lagunitas ipa i thought I, like, you <laughs> meant like pills like you just no, could ingest no. it oh. like uh no. you know so i thought that was really great um, um i didn't go to vernissage because i was too tired from working that's yeah i mean you know there was some interesting stuff but yeah, nothing worth fair. talking about yeah it was a did you feel I like making art afterwards did you feel like making art? No. I did feel like cleaning up, though. Okay. Well, no, and, and my mom is I mean, I'm really going to be honest. That I, I am inspired. Like, I really, mm -hmm. I was inspired to do this, and it felt the same as making yeah. art. Like, that same drive where it's, like, all I think about and. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I didn't go do my day walking up and down the aisles of the fair. I didn't. I was at the opening, and I saw what I saw, but I, I will be. Honestly, there might, if you're listening out there and you're like, I had some great shit in one of those booths, it's possible I didn't see because I also didn't do the day where you go and you're like, like you're saying, like, I'm going to see the fair. Yeah. So, so. tweet at I don't hate this. <laughs> if there's something we missed, just send us a picture of it. We'll be like, oh, yeah. Did nice. I, did I already say that last week? Like the thing I really like about Instagram is, uh, but I've realized it's resulted in me seeing a lot less art because I'm like oh, this is interesting, or you'll know, get an announcement for a show, and you're like, that sounds good, and then you're on Instagram, and then someone's like taking pictures of every work in the show, and you're just like, oh, I don't need to go see that. <laughs> so I think I thank the Instagrammers for Instagramming art, uh, and I thank the Instagrammers for Instagramming cats. Um, <laughs> and sometimes where the two intersect. Yes. Visit um, catsfromarthistory.tumblr.com. Yes, please do. And visit um, I don't hate this pod.tumblr.com, maybe. And, but mostly visit at I don't hate this on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have any questions, you can email us at I don't hate this. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and uh, review our podcast on iTunes. Um, somebody was, you can find us on iTunes or SoundCloud, but like, basically wherever you download podcasts i feel like it's worth saying because somebody asked me they're like why well, have an android and i don't have itunes and i was like does android have some sort uh, of podcast or yeah you have like a third party podcast mm -hmm. app or whatever but we are on it i checked so just download us wherever man wherever podcasts are sold yeah but it's free yay yay <laughs> um, uh, free mandatory ten dollar donation <laughs> <laughs> Um, I indeed. thought we were done. You were like, but you had something else. No. Oh, I think. Well, I was saying, do you want to put a teaser for? No. Okay. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're done. Thank just listen. Just keep listening. Keep listening. Keep we'll rolling on. Alrighty. We'll catch you in the paint cans. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, yeah.